Are you struggling to lose weight following bariatric surgery? Maybe you have stopped losing weight. Do you remember our guest, Joanne Ballantyne, who stopped losing weight very soon after her surgery? Hi, I'm registered dietitian nutritionist, Dr. Susan Mitchell. Let's go beyond bariatric surgery and talk about everything you need to move on. Amanda Clark, Joanne's dietitian, sent her for a metabolism test to find out what was going on. Just ahead, we'll talk to Mark Barrett, the physiotherapist who performs these tests. If you've had bariatric surgery, you need a specific bariatric multivitamin, not an off-the-shelf version. There's a big difference. In Australia, choose BN Multi. Find them at beyondbariatricsurgery.com in the shop. Joining me via Skype from the Gold Coast of Australia is registered physiotherapist Mark Barrett. For the past 10 years, Mark has used gold standard equipment at his Jupiter Health Metabolism Clinic to perform metabolism analysis for people from all over Australia, particularly for bariatric surgery patients at key stages during the process. You can find out more about Mark on our website, Beyond Bariatric surgery.com. Just click on the podcast for his episode and then the show notes. Welcome to the podcast, Mark. Uh, thanks very much, Dr. Susan. It's uh, actually, uh, I feel it's a bit of an honor to be here uh, looking at the podcasts you've done and, and the resource you've built. Uh, I think it's a really uh, valuable tool for people who have had or are thinking about bariatric surgery. So, Thanks for putting it together. Well, you're welcome, and this is going to be fun. I have a lot of good questions for you. You know, Mark, you're a physiotherapist or a physical therapist, as you're called here in the U.S., and Amanda relies upon you to test and then interpret the test findings when she runs into issues such as Joanne, who stopped losing weight. But for many people, metabolism can be a a really confusing concept because we can't see it. Can you explain what it is? Yeah, well, metabolism is all the physical and chemical processes in our body. But if we focus on the part of metabolism that relates to weight loss, then we're really talking about how much energy we use and uh, where that energy is coming from. It can come from fat or it can come from carbohydrate. Okay, so in nutrition, we talk a lot about eating protein, fat, and carbohydrate. But you're talking about actually burning up that fat and carb after we've eaten it in the form of calories, right? Yes, exactly. Every cell in our body has jobs to do and and all of these jobs require energy. So every cell has to make its own energy and it does that by using fat and carbohydrate actually in much the same way that your car engine burns petrol. So it's like you're saying we have two fuel tanks, if you will, one filled with fat and one filled with carbohydrate, right? Well, exactly. That's right. And and the fuel might be fat or carbohydrate. And and our metabolic rate really reflects how quickly this is used up. And, you know, Mark, I notice you don't mention protein. Why not? And when is it better to be burning one fuel over the other? Well, didn't mention protein because protein is not really something we store as fuel. We do use protein under certain uh, conditions, uh, but normally it contributes very little to our metabolic rate. Um, the fuels, fat and carbohydrate, well, both of them are very important and, and we always burn a mix of these. But if you want to lose weight, if weight loss is your goal, then it's better to be mostly burning fat. 
Okay, so let's clarify here. What exactly determines our metabolic rate? And is that rate different person to person? Uh, yes, well, the, that rate is very different person to person. And, and genetics plays a big role in our metabolic rate and, and how an individual uses fats and carbohydrates as fuel. But it's also affected by many lifestyle factors. If we take weight loss, for example, to lose weight, you have to be in a state of negative calorie balance, meaning that you have to take in fewer calories by eating than you burn. And to lose weight, negative calorie balance is, is absolutely essential. Without it, weight loss is not possible. However, after a while, uh, and this varies from person to person, uh, our body can see a negative calorie balance as, as a famine. And the response to that from our body is to reduce the, our metabolic rate and, and favor fat storage. So at, at some point during dieting, uh, we, our met metabolism can become sluggish and it makes it very easy then to gain weight and, and actually very hard to lose weight. And this varies a lot from person to person. And, you know, I want to just add in here that this is not just in bariatrics, too. I mean, certainly I've seen this for years in weight loss where people diet and diet and diet and their body just finally feels like it is in a major famine, as you said, and just totally slows down. So a deficit in calories is great for a while, but then your metabolism can just take a nosedive, if you will, and slow way down. So in fact, that's what bariatric surgery is doing because most people are losing weight for a year or more and then some people just stop losing. Yes, and, and while metabolic rate hasn't uh, been studied extensively after bariatric surgery, we do expect that is happening. Uh, the value, of course, of bariatric surgery is that your stomach can handle eating only small amounts. So we, we don't tend to see the rapid weight gain that we do see in, in dieters that, that are on this diet cycle without bariatric surgery. So let's talk about turning this around when you stop losing weight. Now, for people, this is just so frustrating. We hear about it a lot in our closed Facebook group when people say, what is happening to me? Metabolism is your calorie-burning machine, and when you have more muscle, this machine speeds up, or rather your metabolism or metabolic rate goes up, right? Uh, correct. Um, muscle burns a lot of fuel, so your, your metabolic, metabolic rate does uh, go up, but that doesn't necessarily mean fat burning goes up. Uh, some people's bodies just aren't very good at burning fat. Oh, good. Now, this is what I want to hear more about because people are going to go, well, I don't get it. You know, I'm, I'm building muscle. I, I eat a good protein diet. I'm this and that. So why am I not burning fat? So tell us more. <laughs> well, generally, uh, people who have uh, bariatric surgery have great muscle mass as, as a result of carrying their, their body weight around. But their muscles aren't necessarily good at burning fat. And, and we expect this is the case for Joanne. But, but that can be changed, and we'll talk about that soon. So does the testing that you do identify whether you're using fat or carbohydrate as your fuel? Uh, yes, exactly. Uh, when we do the testing, it's called indirect calorimetry. We identify what fuel a person uses during easy exercise, like a leisurely walk, right up to high-intensity exercise, like running. As exercise intensity and your heart rate increase, 
your fuel mix actually changes. Uh, and this is actually what we me measure during the test. Uh, when we walk, we use a mix of fat and carbohydrate, but as exercise intensity increases, fat burning drops off, and when we're running really fast, we're, we're actually mostly burning carbs or maybe only burning carbs. One of the things we see from the testing is the exercise intensity or the heart rate that people burn fat at the best. And, and this is a really important heart rate to exercise uh, at if, if you want to lose weight. Many people think you really need to work really hard to burn off fat, but it's a bit different for everyone. And usually the best intensity is, is actually easier than most people realize. And you know what? Often, I, want, I want you to say that again because that's shocking to many people. <laughs> yeah, well, it's absolutely true because it, when I give people their results in here, Everyone is shocked. Every, everyone says, I tell them what heart rate uh, uh, they should exercise at for most of their exercise, and, and virtually everyone tells me that they've been exercising at a much higher intensity than that. Interesting. And you know, Mark, like we said, that's exactly the opposite of people think. So what I hear you saying is proper training for long-term weight loss often involves moderate intensity exercise, not an all-out as fast as you can go. That's right. It's, it's not a no pain, no gain sort of uh, situation most of the time. The best training programs for long-term weight loss involve mostly a really moderate exercise plus a small amount of high intensity interval training. And, and for the moderate exercise, which is what you mostly should be doing, a good rule of thumb is to exercise at a level that makes you your breathing heavier, but you could still have a conversation with someone. And if you're mostly out of breath during your exercise session, then you're probably burning more carbohydrate than fat. Yeah, that's a great rule. And it's an easy to follow one too. Okay. So are you saying that interval training is a good exercise strategy after bariatric surgery? It definitely can be, particularly if you're already working hard at exercise and not losing weight. So what is it exactly and what would interval training look like? Okay, uh, during an interval session, you alternate between high intensity and moderate intensity. A, a really good example of, an, of a good interval training session is 30 seconds of high intensity followed by four and a half minutes of moderate exercise. So during indirect calorimetry, we identify the best heart rates to target for each of these phases. Uh, if you don't have access to this, then you can use the approach of doing the four and a half minutes at a pace that gets you a little bit out of breath, but, but not so out of breath that you can't speak, like the talk test we, we mentioned just before, and then speed up to as hard as you can go for, for 30 seconds and then bring it down for another three and a half minutes. And, and you might repeat this three times uh, during a, a high intensity interval training session. And so how long over your workout would you spend doing this? Well, research shows us that you don't need to do that much. You actually only need to do three or four intervals in a session. So that's just a whole session is just 20 minutes or so. And, and actually, there's only one and a half to two minutes of high intensity exercise in that session. Wow. It's, it's hard to think that that small adjustment could make such a big difference, isn't it? <laughs> 
Yeah. <laughs> you know? So this training is also referred to as HIIT or HIT. Is that right? Is that the same thing? And if so, how often would you recommend this? Is this something that you make as part of uh, almost everyone's workout? Uh, well, exactly. There's a lot of health benefits to HIIT, uh, a lot of proven uh, scientific uh, health benefits. And ideally, you would do this two to three times a week. But uh, even if you can only do one session a week, for, for whatever reason, you can only do one session a week, that will still have a positive effect. Okay, so let's dig a little deeper here. How does this interval training actually help us burn more fat? So the high-intensity sessions or the, the high-intensity bursts uh, stimulate your body to make more of the things in cells that burn fat. These are called mitochondria. So once you make more of these things, your cells start to use more fat and less carbohydrate as fuel. Ooh, I think that's so interesting. So we're going to check in with Joanne again in the future. But for now, I know she hasn't managed to start the program because she's had a, a knee, pro, uh, knee problem from a fall that she had. She has started losing weight through some changes that Amanda made to her diet based on the test results. So that's great for Joanne. I'm sure she'll be able to get, make good use of this plan down the road. So one last question. What about people who recently had surgery? I imagine this training could put a lot of strain on your joints. Uh, this is very important, yes. Uh, not just strain on your joints, but strain on other systems. And, and it's really very important to avoid any exercise after surgery until your doctor has given you a clearance. There is always a risk of injury. And, and when you exercise, that risk certainly increases uh, as, as intensity increases. So the higher the intensity, the higher the injury risk. I actually really recommend training with someone like an exercise physiologist or a physical therapist or physiotherapist that has a really good understanding of recovery after surgery. Um, the type of equipment and the exercise that's best suited to you, how much exercise to do and, and when you should do that exercise are all decisions that are better made with the help of experienced professionals. And usually those people will have a direct line uh, back to your doctor if anything needs to be clarified. Yeah, I totally agree with you on that recommendation. This is such great information and it helps with the frustration that you may feel if you've stopped losing weight, especially because there is absolutely hope. You just have to know what to do about it and when. And now you know what to do. You just have to find Mark or someone just like him. I really appreciate your time today, Mark. But before we leave, I want to ask you, if, is there anything that I've missed that you would say, I want you to know this, or just any word of encouragement or hope? Because as you know, weight loss is, is big for everyone, and people do get frustrated, and sometimes they give up because they say, I've tried so hard, and, and I've just seen nothing, or I did see something for a while, and now it stopped. Anything that you would want to say? Oh, thanks, Dr. Susan. I think that's a really... Uh uh, important thing to ask me because one of the most 
common things that I see in people uh, trying to lose weight is they're trying to do too much too quickly. They want to lose it all yesterday and, and the body is a machine that takes a long time to evolve and improve. Uh, athletes work for years and decades at making their engine work better and the rest of us uh, need to contribute a lot of time uh, uh, and, and not be in so much of a hurry uh, to get it all happening yesterday because when we're in a hurry, we tend to cut corners a little bit and that's what uh, tends to have most of a negative effect on our metabolism. So be patient, um, set about a plan, stick to that plan and, uh, and follow it through. I agree. You know, it's, it's like our bodies are such fine-tuned racehorses, and yet sometimes we treat them like they're old mules, you know, and we just have to, to remember that these fine-tuned racehorses need proper fuel and, and proper exercise. So thanks so much for being here with us today. I hope you'll come back. Sure. Thanks, Dr. Susan. It's been great to be here. And, and like I said before, I'm really glad you've put this resource together for people. It's fantastic. Thank you. And in summary, you may think that exercise needs to be really hard work to lose weight, but you just heard Mark say that the good news is that moderate is best and you may benefit from using some intervals. But check with your team as to when and how to get started. You can contact Mark and find his details along with the name of the test in our show notes on the website at beyondreatricsurgery.com. It's so important to hear about all the issues you can face and, more importantly, what you can do about them to stay empowered and move on. Here on the Beyond Bariatric Surgery podcast, we're all about your success. We want to give you as many tools for your toolbox as we can. We run self-development courses regularly, so check our website, beyondbariatricsurgery.com, to see what's available right now. Plus, we have the right supplements and other products just for you. Your support of our various courses, products, and the supplements enables us to bring you the best podcast possible, and we appreciate you. Don't forget to subscribe to our Beyond Bariatric Surgery podcast on your favorite podcatcher, such as iTunes and Google Play. If you need help, just go to beyondbariatricsurgery.com. We'll show you how it's easy. Talk to you soon. Beyond Bariatric Surgery is produced and owned by Practicalories, LLC, all rights reserved. Remember, the content provided on this podcast is for information purposes only and doesn't create a patient-provider relationship. It's intended to provide reference material and is not designed to provide medical advice. Please consult your healthcare provider regarding any medical issues you have relating to symptoms, conditions, diseases, diagnosis, treatments, and side effects. Podcast guests express their own opinions, experience, and conclusions, which do not necessarily reflect or agree with the host, Great Ideas in Nutrition, or Practicalories, LLC.